0: Hello there, little masters, and welcome once again to the Prancing Pony Podcast, where we probably should have replaced our lead in music with Happy Birthday to You, because today Mm -hmm. we're going to be toasting the professor's
1: 125th birthday with a pint or at least a sip of the good stuff. (laughs) West to Hall, my friends. (laughs) I'm Sean Marchese, the real life Lord of the Mark, and I'm here with the man of the West, the Aragorn to my AMR, Alan Sisto.
0: Thank you, Sean. Well, you heard right, folks. This is our Tolkien's 125th birthday special. 25th. Uh, And we're going to be hearing from some of you, our listeners, your tributes, what Tolkien means to you. And then, of course, Sean and I will share our
1: tributes. And then we're going to announce the winners of our two drawings that we announced Mm -hmm. back in November. So if you've been anxiously waiting to hear about whether you won one of those two excellent books we're giving away today's the day. Can't wait to find out who wins. And I also can't wait to hear
0: what our listeners had to say, including one brave soul who sent us some audio. And normally, Sean, this is where I'd ask you if old Barleman has anything in his bag for us tonight. Well, but it's
1: all about Barlamin's bag tonight, or mostly anyway. So. so then I think we should just jump right in. Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. All right. So, so we'll start with uh, we'll, we'll start with our tributes from listeners and we're actually going to start with uh, our old friend Tanya in New York um, who's been a, a regular uh, a regular correspondent with the show mm-hmm Tanya writes in first and foremost reading Tolkien is a journey to a place both familiar and mysterious from the start I was captivated with the incredible details of its surroundings and curious about the glimpses of its history hmm with time, I learned much about this land, and more I learned, the more I became fascinated with the fact that all this depth of history and lore came from the mind of one man. Second, reading Tolkien is about language, not because of his own love for languages, but because I came to know his writing through the need to learn the English language, hmm. and learn it from his books I did. But more importantly, my appreciation of the written word has grown tremendously. Thank you, Professor Tolkien, for giving me so much. Wow, you know those incredible details that she mentioned the glimpses of its history
0: are the same things that kept me coming back um I admit it took me several readings probably well into adulthood before I realized kind of what a central role language played though mm-hmm. you know it wasn't just yeah. his imagination that was legendary it was his
1: wordcraft, his skill oh yeah yeah i mean i I couldn't agree more with uh, with you and with tanya um you know the the central role of language you know it it, it's present the first time you read it because you see the invented languages, but sure, you don't really understand sure. just what it means, how deep that thread goes. Exactly. Um, and how much, like we've talked about languages, culture, and so forth. Wow. Um, I love uh, Tanya's insight about uh, it being a place both familiar and mysterious. I think mm. that's a, a lovely way to put that. And that uh, it's so true. Phrase. It's, you know, we we know it so well. We, we've both read The Silmarillion so many times. And even oh, yeah. just going through it in this podcast, you know, we know it so well, but it's just – there's always something new to find. There is. Incredible.
0: Boy, and that, that is always true. Even if works like The Hobbit where you'd think, yeah. you know, it's a simpler work and, and maybe you wouldn't. But there is always something mysterious, always something to explore, always something to, to learn. I love that.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Well, our next uh, tribute comes from Allison in Massachusetts. And she says, I love Professor J.R.R. R. Tolkien as a brother and hold him in awe because his writings strengthen my faith and ennoble my mind with scenes of visionary enchantment. And honorable characters who stay with me as life patterns, Professor Tolkien's own humble, wholly admirable hobbity life, is like a well-suited frame around a magnificent portrait, that adorns rather than detracts from its sublime object.
1: <laughs> oh, That's great. Uh, There's such such a beautiful sentiment, and mm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I, I agree. You know, Tolkien's characters um, and the the life lessons that you can learn from yeah. his from his work. You know, it's. It's uh, it's not heavy-handed. Right. Uh, it's never, right. it, it never beats you over the head. It's uh, they're just good lessons, good, just good, uh, you know, rules for life. Good, good yeah, examples of right. follow. Good wisdom. You know, really good wisdom. Good wisdom, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you can appreciate it regardless of uh, your personal worldview, whether you you know, share Tolkien's uh, belief system or not. Um, it's just uh, like you said, good wisdom that anybody can benefit from, and I think that's why his work is so. Yeah. universally loved. Yeah,
0: and timeless too. I agree. Mm-hmm. Life patterns. I love that phrase. That was uh uh you know the kind of the role model uh, idea of these characters and there is a a certain purity of of characteristics in some of the key figures that does seem to be intended, you know, to be a model. Um yeah. you know, and certainly I think even he set them up that way, you know. Uh that was like yeah. his intention was to make these you know, paragons in certain in certain cases, but
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: yeah, good stuff.
1: Yeah, great stuff. Um, well, uh, our next one comes to us from listener Putri on the island of Borneo. Oh my um, goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. She's uh, we've uh, she's tweeted to us a few times. Yeah, we've communicated yeah. with her on Twitter a little bit. Of um, Borneo, wow, I know. We do get around, don't we? We do get around. Yeah. So Putri writes in, uh, Tolkien and his books mean so much for me. The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings accompanied my journey as a university student far from home. I improved my English by reading the Silmarillion before it was translated. It took me one year to finish it, but it was worth the effort, and my reading comprehension significantly improved. Hmm. Tolkien also taught me that when everything is at stake, small people can make the difference as long as they make that right choice. That understanding helped me make the best choices at some of the most difficult times in my life. Hmm. I can say that after my parents, Tolkien's books and his thoughts have helped shaping my mind, and I've never been so grateful about the existence of an author.
0: You know, we have a second listener whose skill at reading and understanding the English language was helped along by Tolkien's works. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wonder if if those of us who speak English natively uh, don't take certain things in his works for granted, you know? I mean, I think somebody who's studying it from that outside perspective has to study it so much Mm -hmm. more carefully. I wonder if yeah. we miss things that we wouldn't. They maximize. really,
1: they probably really have to pay attention to the way he phrases things. That yeah. they probably have to be acutely aware of the difference between the way Tolkien writes and the way other writers write. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I am often a little bit jealous of of some yeah. of our, uh, some of my friends and some of our listeners who who approached uh, Tolkien from uh, a language other than English or you know yeah. used it to learn English. I agree. Um, and I also love, you know, her, her insight about, um, you know, teaching her, you know, to make the right choice and yeah. um, how small people can make the difference and um, making the best choices at difficult times. Um, you know, it always again, seems like,
0: it, like that choice, you know, I was I was thinking about this when I read this, that uh, that, that choice, isn't it often between hope and despair? You know, we've come back to that yeah, so many times yeah. and it always seems like it's hope in the face of despair. You know, certain doom or what, you know, nigh upon certain doom. But you're going to mm-hmm. hold to hope anyway, yeah. You know, I think of that moment yeah. of Sam, you know, right. looking up at the stars and still having hope and realizing yeah. that this is temporary. I think yeah. so often that's that's really the thing for us, you know, that's the wisdom that we
1: can follow. That we just we just have to hope, you know? yeah. Or even somebody like Theoden, you know, marching into uh, into battle, even though. Yeah, he knows that, um, you know, he's not going to come back from it, but he knows it's the right thing to do. And he makes such an end. Oh, um, yes he does. And, uh, you know, it just, in our, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about, you know, how kids sort of change your perspective on the passage of time. And, um, I don't know, it, yeah, it, they do. it, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, you, you, you do the right things for the right reasons. And, yeah. and I love that, that Tolkien, you know, has these lessons in his work, but it's, it's not pedantic. Yeah, it's you're not. Right. It's not moralizing. It's yeah, just. He's never on a soapbox. Yeah. No, no, never. It's just, it's just inspiring. It really um, is. So uh, yeah, thank you for that one, Putri. That's a great one.
0: Well, our next one comes to us from Maya in Michigan. She says, "Many people love Tolkien for the escapism, the beautiful story and characters, the grand mythology, etc. I love these things too, but my deepest love is from another source." The most meaningful part of the legendarium for me is the fundamentally Catholic and religious and, uh, nature of the legendarium. And she's quoting from letter 142 there. It helps me make sense of my world and makes me love Christianity more, as well as deeply affecting my beliefs as a Christian. Because of this, some of my favorite of Tolkien's writings are unpublished. Tale of Adanel, Second Prophecy mm-hmm. of Mandos. And even though Tolkien considered leaving these things out, to me, they're headcanon and profoundly meaningful to me this is
1: why the writings of professor tolkien mean so much to me mm, yeah mm. I, I had to look up this word headcanon yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a new one on me i so guess pretty much my that, own self uh, self-defined canon yeah like your own personal interpretation basically okay. like what what you define as being canon um, in, in in your personal uh, approach to the work so it's a subjective um, yeah yeah. Individualized. yeah exactly okay yeah but but i think um I think, you know, what she's speaking about here, uh, sounds a lot to me like, you know, Tolkien's desire to create, uh, works that have applicability right. as opposed to a particular interpretation, you know, not forcing allegory. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I, I kind of like the fact that she's, you know, she's kind of put that in her own words. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, we see this, uh, this power of, of Tolkien to, uh, connect with people on a spiritual, uh, spirit, spiritual level, yeah. you know, um. Absolutely. and uh, and again, I think that's something that even as a person who doesn't come to it from that perspective, I I see it there, and um, yeah, it's uh it's it's just great, you know. And and again, it's great that we can all bring our own kind of things to it. That's true. Well, you know, and I I, I share
0: some of this appreciation specifically myself. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to say, it wasn't until I studied Tolkien personally that is studied, you know, read his biography, learned more about him, that I understood his motivation in in creating his works to be compatible with, but. Not explicitly represented, uh, representative of Christianity, mm-hmm. um, but even before then, I, I had found certain um, of his truths. That is, some of the things that he'd set in his universe to be true, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. echo with my own understanding of the universe. The idea of a of an uncreated creator, a, an eternally existent, mm-hmm. um, creative power that's sovereign and omnipotent and able to make good from evil and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And those those resonated with me even before I knew that he was coming at it from that perspective. Um, obviously, finding that out, you know, kind of helped me see some more things, I think. But like you said, you don't have to come from that perspective to appreciate what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that you can come at it from an entirely different faith system or no faith system at all uh, mm-hmm. and still find his work to be you know completely applicable. And that's the key right. word. Like you said, it's not allegorical. It's applicable. Right. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Well, thanks,
1: yeah. Maya. Yep, good one. All right. Uh, well, moving on. Uh, we've got one that comes to us from Tara in Maryland. Um, Tara writes in: "From the time I first celebrated Bilbo's 111st birthday in my <laughs> freshman year at college, the professor's writing has set deep hooks in my soul. Hmm. I went on from *The Lord of the Rings* to *The Hobbit*, *The Silmarillion*, and more. His subcreation is filled with deep joy and deep sorrow." And Tolkien has gotten me through good times and bad. Hmm. Seldom does a day pass that I am not breathing deep of the world he created. Hmm. Uh, happy birthday, Professor. Deep
0: joy and deep sorrow indeed.
1: Yeah. You know, there's
0: nothing shallow about his works, you know. Um, it's one of the reasons I think we've had such a great time doing this podcast is there is that deep joy and that deep sorrow. These are, are,
1: oh, absolutely, are genuine.
0: Yeah. You know, they really – it speaks to your heart. Um, yeah, You know, yeah, in, in it, both it – Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's
1: okay. Just the both joy and the sorrow. It's yeah. very. Uh, it's it, a world that you want to go back and breathe deep again, Yeah, like she says. Um, yeah, you're over right. and over again, and uh, it's a good thing that world exists. I mean, we've you know we talked in our first episode about recovery and escape and consolation. You know mm-hmm. the the ways that that yeah. that deep joy, that deep sorrow, uh, that you know that experience of a you catastrophe. Yes. Um, can can uh, just. Get you through, uh, you know, when even when times are bad. Um, and uh, it's just a, it's a great place to 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 jump back into, and uh, and, and I love linger. this idea and, and to, to linger. linger. Yeah, and I that's what I love. Part of what I love about us doing this podcast is that it gives me a very good excuse to jump back into <laughs> Middle Earth every day of my life, and I feel very productive doing it.
0: I agree. I agree. Though I have to admit, you know, when we talk about on fairy stories and recovery, escape and consolation, I. I think about the fact that so much in the Silmarillion doesn't quite qualify because we don't get the eucatastrophe. Um, true. I mean, we eventually do in in you know, one particular uh, uh, the story as a whole, but certain individual right. stories don't have
1: them. That's true. Um, yeah. You, you know, kind of have to. You have to view it as a whole to really to yeah. see the U catastrophe Really, with Lord of the Rings in perspective, to yeah, to I truly really see it as a U catastrophe, Although there is uh, a, yeah. a, a mini one at the end, I wouldn't of, call uh, it somebody. so mini. If if uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's a significant one. That's it is, true. Um, yeah,
0: it, it's it's why Children of Hurin is sometimes such a hard work to to, to chew through because there is no U catastrophe. Uh, in yeah. that story and it's it's not that's because it's not a, a fairy story it's it's not a fantasy it's a tragedy right.
1: it's, it's a tragedy yeah, yeah it's
0: intended to be so it's just um that's why it's good to get out into uh into the works of his that do include that but mm-hmm. yeah um, and children of foreign is a, a beautiful work it's uh, oh, it is it's, it's one very, of my favorites it's very
1: is. very affecting
0: incredibly um, powerful, very human oh but man, uh,
1: tears to your eyes yeah. every time you can't help it hits but you right man, there
0: right in the face yeah fields.
1: but <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But man, do you just feel wiped
0: when you oh, finish you reading? Oh, you do. Yeah, you, you just yeah. You want to sleep, and then you want to get out and see the sunshine and the flowers. and you yeah, know, right. Find something happy, please. Right, right, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of happy, we're gonna we're gonna move on to um, a comment from Donna from Indiana. She says, "I imagine Professor Tolkien had a wish once that he could just disappear. All the worries of the world would be left behind him, lost in his own world for a while." He would then begin to miss his family and stumble to bed, exhausted. I think he really lived in that world he created for a while, and that made it real for me. I longed for the quiet of the world where the birds and the wind in the trees were the only sounds, and as the sun sets, the twinkling stars would fill my mind with the beauty of Arda. I also married a guy with hairy feet who happens to be an Englishman. <laughs> I love
1: that. I was right with her up until that last point. Mm-hmm. Um No, uh, beautiful, beautiful statement, Donna. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for that. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you do get the sense that uh, the, cre- the sub creation of this world was as much of an escape for Tolkien as it is for us Yeah, uh, to, to go and, yeah. to go and read it. I and, agree. um, and you know he he talks about the you know sort of the 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 poor english mythology and some of the mm-hmm. some of the the things that he was hoping to fix with uh, his legendarium and um i hope he felt like he got there i know he didn't quite get to where he wanted to be in his life but i, I hope he kind of felt like he got somewhere um and that he got some of that escape um
0: but i but I I, so I, anyway i hope but, i i do too i yeah. i read Leaf by niggle sometimes and i wonder does he you know I, I hope he knows now what an amazing work he did. Yeah, and that as, all as, that as niggling Niggle, was worth it. As, all, yeah. as, as Niggle eventually, you know, yeah. found. Yeah. Um, I loved her description of escape. I mean, I don't even know that she necessarily defined it as that, but that really is escape. I mean, you know, if mm-hmm. we're looking at recovery oh, yeah. and escape and consolation, uh, that's that's totally what that is. And it, it fits perfectly with uh, Tolkien's own version of it in on fairy stories. I, yeah. Except for marrying the guy with hairy feet, though. I really, you know, <laughs> Yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> No, there's
1: <laughs> <laughs> nothing no, in no, on Fairy stories about that. <laughs> nope there's, there's no <laughs> consolation for me there. Uh, so you've got the next one, right? I do. Yeah. So the next one comes to us from Bethany in Oklahoma. And Bethany actually submitted her comments in verse. Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah. She wrote a poem for us. So I'm going to do my best to do this justice. Um, apologies in advance, Bethany. Um, she writes, A world that calls to a part of me I didn't know existed. Grief of the darkest kind combined with beauty that shatters me. Hmm. In you, catastrophe, I see what heaven must feel like. The deepest yen of my soul shall be met, for the crownless shall be king. Oh, wow. I love (laughs) the idea of sending thoughts in verse, by the way. I thought that was awesome. Very Tolkien-esque, actually. (laughs) Very, (laughs) Um, great, great stuff there.
0: She mentions this dark grief and shattering beauty. Really beautiful turn of phrase. It makes me think of that deep joy and deep sorrow that uh, I think it was Tara that mentioned that it's, okay, yeah. you know, one of the hallmarks of Tolkien's work is that richness of every single emotion. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like how she captured that here in just in a single line. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I, I really love the part about the catastrophe. I.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure but where she's going that.
0: with that, but you know, I I can't when I see th- when I see stuff like I see what heaven must feel like. I think about the crownless becoming king. I cannot help but think about uh, you know how Tolkien felt about the Christian story and how that you know and how that's the ultimate eucatastrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the idea that 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 Christ, who had a, a crown of thorns, who you know who didn't get to wear a crown, who was a king without a crown, will indeed be king. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't know that necessarily Tolkien had that particular thought in mind when he wrote the crownless shall be king. I don't think of that when I read the verse about Aragorn, um, but I think about it when I think about you <laughs> catastrophe and the epilogue. Um, I say epilogue. I mean sure. the epilogue to on fairy stories.
1: Uh, so it's on fairy stories. Yeah, yeah. where that's really well, the only spot where he gets super explicit about his faith. Right. Um, well, there is certainly something restorative about Aragorn's mm-hmm. character. I mean, oh, there yeah, you know yeah. there there are there are shades of that you know oh, that yeah, sort of there are. That term "Christ figure" is such a cliche. I don't want it to is. use it. it is. I just did, but um, you know, there, there, are, there are shades of that there. <laughs> of course, um, you know, again, all without forcing that exactly. interpretation. It's he's all a restorative king figure. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, no, I think that's a perfectly reasonable and and, and yeah. uh, perfectly beautiful reading of that. And um, it even makes yeah. me
0: think of that part in Mythopoeia. There's a part about. The description of what what things would be like in heaven, you know, at the end of days uh, when we're all little sitting, little flames on their heads, and, yeah, the little flames on their heads, and yeah. that we'll still make, you know, that we will still make mm-hmm. because we're still made in the image of a maker, mm-hmm. um, and and what that would be like, I definitely well worth revisiting, you know, if you if you just joined the podcast, for instance, and you haven't gone back to uh, episodes one and two where we talked about on fairy stories and mythopoeia. Well worth
1: doing, well worth going back to those. Definitely, um, yeah. And reading those I mean, it, it informs so much of oh, what so we much. talk about on this podcast yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, I would definitely say if anybody's uh, if anybody's just picking us up for the first time or has picked us up along the way, definitely go back and listen to our first episode um, and read on fairy stories. Yeah, well,
0: uh, 001 and 002, those are the
1: – mm-hmm. uh,
0: two is Mythopia. Right, um, and the two of those combined really, I think, set the tone. But um, definitely, we're a little rough. Please forgive us. <laughs> we've got, we've gotten better. <laughs> we, we've,
1: we've gotten better. Um, oh goodness! Yeah. So yeah. your thoughts yeah, so on be, this one? be patient. Be patient yeah. with those first few episodes. Um, no, I, I think, uh, I think I've said it. Um, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's a beautiful verse. Oh, uh, yes. I love the fact that you. Thank you, Bethany. Um, Very vivid. That uh, I, I know that probably took a, a little bravery to, to submit your thoughts in verse to this, but uh, well done. Um, yeah. I really like it. Huzzah.
0: Huzzah. Aglario. Aglario. <laughs> better. I'd much like to better. Alaytate. Like like uh our, our last written one comes to us from Jeremiah uh, in the UK. He says, 14 years ago – of course, he's from the UK. So 14 years ago when the internet – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as you'll find out, he's not, uh, he's not from there originally. Not, that's right, yeah. 14 years ago, when the internet was far younger and meeting people online wasn't nearly so common as it is now, I met a girl on a book forum and we began talking Tolkien. We hit it off and became friends. Of course, we discussed all matter of other topics and we soon realized we shared many interests and beliefs about 42, life, the universe, and everything.
1: There's your Douglas <laughs> Adams reference. There's your Douglas Adams reference. Another We got brilliant. Mighty Python and Douglas Adams in
0: just in the awesome?
1: space of a couple minutes.
0: One problem, she's in the UK, I'm in America. What to do? We started a 3,500-mile relationship. After a few years of back-and-forth flights across the ocean, we finally realized the only solution. I moved. We've now been married 10 years and have a beautiful 8-year-old daughter. J.R.R. Tolkien quite literally changed my entire life.
1: Oh, this one literally brought uh, tears to my eyes. Yeah. Um, that is Beautiful. Thank you, Did Jeremiah. You. Um, congratulations. <laughs> ten years too <laughs> late, I guess, since you've been married ten years. Uh, congratulations, anyway, on finding that special someone uh, and on your beautiful eight-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, uh, it, wow. <laughs> I mean, just um, the impact that uh, the Tolkien has had on people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, when I'll talk a little bit about this uh, when I get to my tribute, which is right. just this, um, this sense of... Um, sense of community, I think that we all have as, yeah. as talking. I was thinking the same Tolkien readers. It's, and uh, I'm it's sure great. this isn't
0: the only story like this. I I'm, I'm certain though. I don't mm. know anybody, you know, I, I, I can't say with certainty, but I would be willing to bet that this isn't the only couple that have found themselves, you know, moving overseas, uh, because they, they fell in love with somebody over a, a shared common yeah. interest in Tolkien. Yeah. Whether it was the books or the, or the movies, but, um, yeah i i think it's neat i uh it's i love that beautiful. it's a it's a very heartwarming story and mm-hmm. uh it was really really cool uh that jeremiah shared that with us and i just want to thank him for
1: uh for for sending that in and and again a belated congratulations <laughs> yes definitely thank you so much for sharing that one jeremiah that was uh that was a real treat yeah um and i think i get to introduce our next one yes. actually our last listener submission um I can't really read the next one because it's an audio submission. Yay! So we we did give everybody the option to send us text for us to read or audio, uh, to 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 play. And uh, this one person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one person submitted an audio. So kudos to our bravest listener, Joan from Pennsylvania, as she shares her thoughts. Hi, I'm Joan from Pennsylvania. I was introduced to Tolkien by Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films, which made me want to read the books. And I'm glad I did because the books have so much more depth than the films. I was hooked. In school I viewed reading as a chore because of homework and book reports. I stopped reading for fun. After reading The Lord of the Rings, I read for fun again. Then I just absorbed anything Middle-earth I could get my hands on. And I started reading other books too, not just Tolkien. Tolkien got me to enjoy reading again. I've learned so much, and I've met so many great people because of J.R.R. Tolkien.
0: That's awesome. I've heard a lot of these stories, you know, folks who'd never read the books, but who Mm -hmm. were inspired to do so after seeing the films. Um, I know there are some who can never forgive Peter Jackson for certain things. Um, (laughs) but but Knowing that there are so many people out there who never would have read Tolkien in the first place, who are now lifelong readers— Man, that is a good thing.
1: I yes, I totally agree. And um, you know, yeah, it, the books were there; they were always there. People were coming to them. Uh, you and I came to them years after they came out, before yeah. the movies were out. But yeah, but how? But lots of people did not. And and exactly. As far as I'm concerned, uh, the more people read these books, the yeah. better. The better. I, I think, Absolutely. I think everybody can get something out of these books, and and that's why we're doing this podcast, yeah. isn't it? There's plenty to of room sure in Middle it, Earth for everybody. There's exactly. <laughs> There is. So, yes, um, I do have a few friends who discovered uh, the books through Peter Jackson's movies, went on to read, um, you know, The Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales. um, uh, Yeah. All all the way through History of Middle-earth, you know, really read everything now. And that's awesome. Yeah. I love the It sparked a hunger in so many folks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you sort of scratch the surface of this world and you want to get in deeper. Yeah. Um, I am... Just in love with the fact that uh, that reading Tolkien got Joan to enjoy reading again for fun. Isn't that cool? I agree. I think that's just the the greatest gift that I think a work of literature could ever yeah. give is to is to just make you love reading again. Because reading um, is fun, to mental. Reading reading is fun, absolutely. <laughs> No, you it, missed it. Reading is fun to what? Reading is fundamental.
0: You know, do you remember uh, those, that uh, public, <laughs> public service campaign? Yes.
1: yes reading is
0: fundamental. Fundamental.
1: <laughs> That's right. I, yeah, I took, that, that went right past me. Doom, um, doom. Yeah, man. I just. Wow. But yeah, um, I agree.
0: Reading is so much fun. Mm-hmm. takes you. I mean, you can you can truly visit other worlds in a way that you can't in any other form of of media. I mean, even film, because you're you're still limited to the vision of the director with a book, you're not limited. You can go anywhere and, right. and, and do anything and see anything and, and be anyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tremendous experience. And I'm so glad to know that, you know, another person has uh, gotten the the privilege of, of finding that reading is fun again.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And also, you know, the, the last little bit she, she said about connecting her to people, um, is just, uh, really profound too. Again, I think uh, we've got a community of Tolkien fans. Um, There's there's a lot of us, but there's not enough.
0: (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. uh,
1: Well, I think we're both going to end up
0: touching on that uh, in our individual tributes, aren't we? I think so. Speaking of Um, which, I guess that's where we are, huh?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we're going to take turns reading our own tributes here. And um, I'm going to let you go first. All right. Well, you know,
0: as host of the podcast, um, not to mention digressors and people who've never told a long story short in our lives, uh, <laughs> nope. we're probably going to take a little longer than the 125 words that we asked you all to stick to for, our tri- for your tributes. Of course, we're not eligible for the giveaways either, so take the bad with the good. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> um, my first discovery of Tolkien's work was a, as a 10-year-old boy. I was introduced to The Hobbit through the Rankin and Bass illustrated edition of the book. I didn't see the film. I, I mean, I eventually did when I was much, much older. Um, but I, I had that book. It was an illustrated version. Um, okay. I still even have it. But, you know, the glue in the binding is gone and I, pages just fly out. It's very sad. Um, I remember reading The Hobbit and loving the story itself. I have to be honest and say that it um, it didn't really stick with me at that point in my life. I, I Probably because of my age and I was reading so many other things. I was reading a lot. I have to tell you, I was a big reader. Um, but it wasn't until I read *The Fellowship of the Ring* as a fourteen-year-old that I was drawn into the depth of the world. That's when I finally started recognizing just what an amazing creation he'd come up with. I quickly devoured the trilogy, and I think I mentioned this uh, in our last episode. I set about to learning how to write dwarvish runes on my uh, peachy. That's folder, right. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. On, my, uh, on my peachy folders. I know that dates me too. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, they, you might have to explain that one. I don't. I don't. You know remember the
0: peach-colored folders with the? They had like illustrations of like somebody playing basketball or somebody, you know, sliding into a base. They had, you know, uh, I'll, we'll post a picture of a peachy on our website. <laughs> nope. They were just simply, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was a trapper kid in the eighties. Trapper. So. Yeah. No, these were just cardboard or cardstock stock, um, you know, notebooks, um, you know, with the little pockets, so the pockets were in the side so that they wouldn't fall out anyway. Awesome. <laughs> um So, yeah, I would write dwarvish runes on my peachy folders. Great. That's great. Um, You know, I couldn't define it at the time. I mean, if you'd asked my 14-year-old self, you know, what it was about this, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this. But it was the depth of reality within Tolkien's world that kept me entranced. You know, Mm -hmm. it was that that realization that every single thing fit and that nothing was included by accident. Um, I reread The Lord of the Rings once a year after that, every single year. For nine to thirty years, until we recently mm-hmm. had kids, um, you know, I still read it, but I can't promise once a year anymore. Sometimes it's stretched out a little oh, bit more. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, but you know, whenever I do read it, I am just instantly transported to a, an incredibly real, truly believable place. I, yep. My my intellect knows that this place doesn't exist and never has, but my heart believes otherwise. You know, I mean. Oh, yeah. These characters and cultures, these, these places, these languages, these events, they're as real as anything I've actually experienced. So to me, I think Professor Tolkien's work means the exact things he spoke about in On Fairy stories, recovery, escape, and consolation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means friendship. Uh, through my early years as a Tolkien reader, you know, I, I was pretty much by myself. I didn't have friends that were into this, or at least I didn't talk to any of my friends that were. I didn't know. But yeah. the, re- the release of the films changed all that. You know, it made it kind of popular, kind of cool. I mean, yeah. obviously, by that point, I wasn't a young man anymore. But, you know, attending midnight showings with total strangers, but total strangers I could talk to for hours. Mm-hmm. Going to the net Oscar parties and, and leaving every single one of those with new friends. Um, playing yeah, playing more- when- yeah. And I was at one of those we parties. We were at one we, together. We, we did not didn't meet, know it.
1: We did not meet at that time. At the third boring. one, the one for Return yeah, of the Return King. Yeah, the Return of the King. Which yep. would have been, uh, what, 04? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think, think so. February
0: 04. Yeah. Yeah. My mm-hmm. goodness. that yeah. Man, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was such a packed house. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I left every one of those parties with, with new friends. It was really cool. Some of them I'm still in touch with. Um you know, playing Lord of the Rings online, being part of a kinship where everybody knows the books, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook groups with members all over the world, and and now this podcast—it really is amazing. Yeah. I, I may not share the same political views or religious beliefs or, or cultural context. I may not even share the same spoken language as other Tolkien fans, but I share enough things with them to count them to count you as friends, and and that I owe to Professor Tolkien.
1: Well, that's very well said. That's I I agree one hundred percent. Don't even don't even have much to say, but I, yes, I think it's that's, that's awesome. Um well, you know, I, I think I'm gonna go a little long on this one too. Um Oh no, I can't let and, you do that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not at all. I can't. Uh, I don't know if I can top that one though. Oh um, yes you can. You know, we've talked about this before. As a kid, I was really interested in mythology. Um, I had, you know, picture books of the Odyssey and uh, the story of Sigurd and Fafnir. I especially remember a kid's picture book of Sigurd and Fafnir. That is so Um, cool. I wish I I never even knew that thing existed. I'm sure it's in a box somewhere in my parents' house in New Orleans now. That uh, rocks. Yeah. And, like uh, kids you know, illustrated version of <laughs> Sigurd
0: and Fafnir, man, yeah. you had really cool parents that bought I did, you awesome yeah, books. I
1: did. I did. And what was so cool to me about reading mythology as opposed to other books was the fact that you could read one story and then you could read another story somewhere else. And, and, and they were part of something bigger, you know, there were connections yeah, between yeah. different stories. It felt like part of something bigger and reading one story, you knew that there was a grand tradition that you could delve deeper uh, right. and learn more about if you just you know, took the time to do it. Um, you know, as I got older, I kind of stopped doing some of that stuff. I started reading, you know, those trashy fantasy novels that, you, you know, bought at the <laughs> Walden Books for three bucks. And, you know, they're, they're always really D&D influenced and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And they're that. worth yeah. about three bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If that. Um, at least, you know, yeah, I guess it's worth three bucks for, you know, a few hours of entertainment, I suppose. Yeah. and kindling. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, some of those, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I mean, some of those, you could actually see the author rolling the 20 sided die before writing. Seriously. Yeah. Before writing. Um, but so, you know, I read a lot of that stuff. Um, but when I discovered Tolkien as a teenager, uh, and I, I started with The Hobbit, um, I read that in three days, which is oh my goodness, that, that's lightning for me because I'm a pretty slow reader. Um, Read The Hobbit in three days, then went uh, went straight on to Lord of the Rings after that. But I mean, even with The Hobbit, I remember feeling like it felt more like a mythology yeah. than just one of those trashy fantasy novels. Well, there was all those references to things that happened in the all past. Those, all those references. Yeah. I mean, you, you, like even in, as early as chapter three, you know, I remember thinking, what are the goblin wars of Gondolin? Uh, or, you know, what's fairy in the West, which is mentioned a little later yeah, on. I mean, yeah. You just you knew that there was a whole tradition behind it, and exactly. kind of like what you said, it felt like it felt real. It felt yeah. like something I could believe in, even though I knew in my head that it wasn't literally true. Um, I mean, and then I mean that was just the Hobbit. Then you get to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and there's you get, there's talking about Baron and Luthien, and um, there's talk of Numenor. The the paperback I had of Lord of the Rings actually had a map of Numenor in it. Oh wow! Because yeah, because it was. Um, it was released at the same time as a as a, a version of Unfinished Tales, oh, okay, which of yeah. course mentions Numenor, and, and which had a map. Yeah, yeah, and they just put the same maps in all the all the paperbacks of this edition. So I had this map of Numenor in the front of my book, and I'm waiting for Frodo <laughs> to get to <the> Numenor. <laughs>
0: That's a long wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a long um, you know, but,
1: wait. But the idea that it was you know that they're talking a little bit about Numenor, and I can see the yeah. map there, just it felt real real and, exactly. um, and as you know, you hear Frodo and, and Sam and Aragorn, you know, talking about all these stories that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it just, you just knew that there was that grand tradition there. The don't get me, don't get me started on the appendices. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the history, the languages, I wanted to read more of that stuff. I wanted to know more about the stories Frodo and Sam were talking about. And so, um, I mean, as much as I love Lord of the Rings and I do absolutely love Lord of the Rings, um, but it's no wonder that the Silmarillion is still, you know, kind of yeah. edges it out as my favorite. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've talked about on fairy stories uh, just a little while ago and many mm-hmm. times on this podcast. And, yeah. you know, we know now, I know now that this was all very intentional. This yeah. was Tolkien striving for that secondary belief, for that inner consistency of reality. Love that phrase. Uh, yeah, it's a great phrase. Um, you know, real world mythologies. It's easy to achieve that because people actually believed them. Um, True. True. People actually made those stories up over time. And um, at at one point, somebody thought they were true. Fiction doesn't always have that. Um, And while some fiction writers do achieve it, um, Tolkien did it the best as far as I'm concerned. I mean, his stories feel real. They feel like part of a tradition. And to me, uh, his mythology is every bit as real as the Odyssey or the story of Sigurd and Fafner, you know, Mm, mm -hmm. which is to say, again, I know, I I know it didn't happen, but it feels like something that's part of a tradition, part of a culture that I want to be a part of and that I want to share with others. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of bringing it back to something you said, um, you know, just as those real world mythologies brought people together under a common culture, a common belief system, Tolkien's mythology brings people together even today. And it, it doesn't, It brings people together on a level beyond, uh, living in the same village or the same country, beyond speaking the same language, beyond believing in the same gods. Um, it, it brings people together just for love of this work. And, um, you know, it's brought us together. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's brought us to a lot of people. Um, you know, well, the creation of this podcast and, and our listeners that we're in touch with, um, and it's that it's that community that I really want to celebrate today. It's yeah. um, people use the word fandom sometimes. It's more than a fandom. I, it's a community. Yeah. I and um, and this community has just meant so much to me um, and given me so much. So, thank you, Professor Tolkien. Well said. I think I went way long on that one. That's all right. <laughs> and now it's time for the traditional
0: birthday toast. So, if you haven't done this before, listen carefully. Uh, if you want to read more about it, you can find all of this at the Tolkien Society website. So that's at uh, wwwtolkiensocietyorg forward slash society forward slash events forward slash toast. And we'll put that
1: link up on our website. Yep. So we'll be celebrating Tolkien's birthday with the formal toast. And mm-hmm. here's how you can join us uh, at 9 p.m. your local time or uh, It's 2100 uh, for those who follow a 24-hour system. Um, At 9 p.m., simply stand, raise a glass of the beverage of your choice, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, doesn't matter, and say simply, the professor, and take a drink. Now, we happen to like the disclaimer on the Tolkien Society website, so
0: we're going to borrow this one from them. Note that we do not condone drinking alcohol if it endangers the health or safety of the drinker or others or contravenes the law. So uh, if if you're of age, if you're of age, not driving a vehicle currently, (laughs) and you're ready to join us, here we go. Or if you're drinking a soda. Well, yeah. (laughs) Martinelli's apple cider for me. There you go. Um, Yeah. So if you've got a legal legal beverage and you're ready to join us, here we go. All right. You ready, Alan? I am ready. You, Sean? Yep. Okay. Here we go. One, two, three.
1: The professor.
0: And now. It's time for our drawings. Indeed it is. Ah, tasty stuff.
1: Ah. All right. Well, so the first drawing first we're going to be doing is our Barleyman's Bag drawing. Um, so uh, to reminder, uh, our first, excuse me, <laughs> as a reminder, our first drawing <laughs> is for everyone who's ever submitted a question to Barleyman's Bag um, from within the United States. I'm sorry to the others. Um, but, we just uh, can't just afford the shipping. Due to either. shipping costs, It's we just can't. Yeah, um, we just can't for for folks outside of the United States. But um, the prize for this drawing is a copy of The Art of the Lord of the Rings, a beautifully curated collection of Tolkien's own artwork edited by Wayne G. Hammond and Christina Skull. Uh, We'll make sure to include links to this book and the other one we're giving away for anybody who doesn't win but who might still be interested in buying it. All right. And the winner is...
0: Maya L. in Michigan. Congratulations, Maya. Hi. Congratulations, uh, well, Maya. Yeah. Now, our next drawing is for those of you who submitted your thoughts about Tolkien in this episode. Uh, so, a much smaller number of people. Uh, yes. But this prize is for a copy of the newly released Facsimile First Edition of The Hobbit. It's your first chance in decades to read the story as it was originally published before Tolkien changed it in 1951.
1: Very good. And the winner is... Allison M. in Massachusetts. Congratulations, Allison. Congratulations, Allison. So,
0: Maya, Allison, we will be reaching out to you by email to get your mailing addresses so that we can ship your books. Uh, Thanks to everybody who entered, and thank you all for listening and participating in this tribute. We
1: really enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, thank you to Professor Tolkien and to the Tolkien Estate for making all of this possible. And happy 125th birthday, Professor Tolkien. (laughs) And happy new year to all of you. Have a wonderful
0: 2017. Wow, Sean. Well, as much fun as this has been, I have to say, it wraps it up for another episode of the Prancing Pony podcast. Folks, we always appreciate you joining us, but want to offer a special thanks for tuning in today on this special day to celebrate
1: Professor Tolkien's 125th birthday. And join us again on Sunday, January 15th, when we resume our regular bi-weekly release schedule and our regular narrative with Chapter 18 of The Silmarillion, Of The Ruin of Beleriand, and The Fall of Fingolfin.
0: Now, that chapter title doesn't give us any spoilers, does it?
1: No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at I don't think all. anything bad's going to happen <laughs> we, in that. We can't channel.
0: have good things. No. But remember, folks, if you need uh, cheap paperbacks to mark up, you can use the links on our library page at theprancingponypodcast.com. We'd also love to have you check out our site because that's where we have our, our outtakes Uh, We have our essays there, so lots of good things to check out there. And also in the library, we have links to audiobooks, music CDs, and a few other cool things for your token collection.
1: And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. We need your iTunes reviews, so please leave one if you haven't, and we do greatly appreciate your support. Yes, we do. We're also on Stitcher and TuneIn, and thanks to those of you who connect with us on social media. This is the Prancing Pony, as we always say, and we love the conversation we have in the common room. Both at Facebook at the Prancing Pony Podcast and on Twitter at Prancing Pony Pod. And social media is a
0: great place to share our podcast as well. So please retweet us, share us, tell your friends. Anyway, one last thing, as always, don't forget to send your questions, comments, or token related New Year's resolutions to the Prancing Pony Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll try to get them into our next episode. Well, 40 minutes or so <laughs> is still. <laughs> and is most definitely far too short a time to spend (laughs) amongst such admirable listeners. But until next time. Farewell, friends.